All right, welcome back, everybody. Thanks for joining us for hour number two of Christian Worldview with Dr. Tony Beam. We're going to crank it up for you. Yep, that's what we're going to do. Listen, um, we got about a little over two weeks left um, in the this portion of the program. That is the His Radio Talk portion. Uh, His Radio Talk is changing formats on March 31st. This will become a music format station. It's 919-897, of course, is a talk radio format now. So you're hearing announcements on the sh- on the shows or on the station about other shows telling you how you can um, access and continue to follow them. And so we're going to do the same thing here, uh, obviously. I've decided that I'm going to keep doing this program Monday through Friday for an hour live. It's going to be 7.30 to 8.30. It'll be available on a website, drtonybeam.com. That's drtonybeam.com. Uh, website is not up yet. They're still working on it, building it out, uh, but it should be up and going maybe by this weekend. I'll, I'll let you know about that as we get into next week. But uh, trying to get a little bit ahead of the game so that we're ready to go full speed on April 3rd. That'll be the Monday after March 31st when the format changes on the station. So here's what you're going to be able to do. You're going to be able to continue if you are on Facebook right now, Facebook Live, watching the program, listening to the program, you can continue to do that. If you are, if you want to switch over to YouTube, or we're going to have a YouTube flat platform, and we're going to have a platform over on Rumble, so um, you'll, it'll be available both of those places. You'll be able to stream the show, like I said, on the website live. You can listen to it just by going to drtonybeam.com. You can listen to it there. You'll also be able to subscribe for the podcast because after the show is over, um, that show will become a podcast. It's going to be called Truth and Politics and Culture with Dr. Tony Beam. So you can continue. You can download the podcast for free. All you have to do is subscribe. It'll come to your smart device. You can stream it. You can uh, Bluetooth it through your car. If you normally listen on the way to the to work, uh, you can just pull up the website on your phone and then do the Bluetooth through your car radio, and there you go. You'll think you're listening to the radio. Um, so a lot of ways to continue to access now. I, I want to talk about the website for a second because it's going to have a tab for South Carolina political news. I'm going to be writing on that, and there will be information there that you can find out about what's going on in South Carolina at the legislature. Um, you'll, you'll also um, be able to go to a tab that is, is more national news, which we're going to talk about both of those things. Uh, you'll be able to go and read about the culture from a theological perspective. In other words, sort of cultural apologetics. There'll be articles from some of my colleagues at North Greenville University writing about biblical truth and the culture and how the culture is, um, how, how the Bible affects or should be affecting the culture. So a little bit more in depth, you can, you can read my articles that are published in the Baptist Courier. Uh, you can read my articles that I'm just going to write separately for the website. So there's going to be a lot of things to do there. You can keep up with a lot of good information um, on the website, and I, I hope that uh, you'll do that. That's going to be drtonybeam.com, drtonybeam.com, and that's coming April the 3rd. All right, there's a story in the Greenville News today about the library. You know, we've been tracking this story for you. There's been a, the library committee, 
which sort of oversees the books and the content of the public library in Greenville, uh, has been meeting, and they are going to propose a limit to transgender-themed materials. Now, this is a common-sense approach, but I want you to hear the way that the Greenville News begins this article because it's very telling about where the media are on this. Despite public outcry both during and after its meeting, the Greenville County Library System's Materials Committee voted Monday to advance a proposal limiting access to transgender-themed materials. So what the, what, what the Greenville News is trying to tell you is that a lot of people are upset about this. It's it, that People don't want transgender-themed materials to be taken away from children. They want our children to be able to see that stuff. I don't think anybody, but really, if I don't think we should believe that the majority of people in Greenville, in the upstate, think that children's materials should include a bunch of information about transgenders. And that's that's what the Greenville Library is doing right now. It allows transgender themes to be in the children's section. The committee is saying, nope, we're reviewing these materials. We're going to make sure that they're in the adult section. The full board of trustees will vote on the proposal later this month. The committee debated changing the library system's collections, development, and maintenance policy, which governs the type of books and materials that are included in the library. The committee specifically proposed changes to the library's juvenile and youth adult uh, young adult collections, seeking to move materials with gender transition ideologies and other collections that, let me get to page two here, uh, yep, come on over, that require an adult access library card to check out. Now, there's nothing unreasonable about this. I mean, you've got minors, children, who don't need to be exposed to adult themes that are going to be difficult for them to comprehend. I mean, the, the, the thing that progressives want, the things it, is that they want the children to be indoctrinated at a young age into thinking that being transgender is perfectly normal. They want a certain percentage of those children to choose to be transgender, and they want them to have access to surgery. Now, we're going to talk about another story here from Florida with Ron DeSantis and what he's doing. Uh, to combat this in just a minute. But but here, talking about these books in the Greenville Library, I mean, the, all, all they're saying is they're not taking the materials out of the library. This is not banning books. This is simply having, and, and believe me, I don't think those materials ought to be in the library. <laughs> I mean, I. but if they're going to be there, okay, I got it. Make it for adults. Only because that's the, the children have no business seeing this stuff. In his proposed policy changes, the committee also sought to limit access to materials containing explicit descriptions or depictions of sex acts. Do you, can can we stop for a second? We're having a debate about whether minor children should be able to see explicit sex acts and depictions of incest pedophilia, and graphic depictions of violence or abuse. There are people in this world who believe that minors, that children should be able to be exposed to that, should be able to see it, 
should be able to read about it and even make choices before they're old enough to make decisions about who they're going to marry or whether, I mean, you know, all kinds of adult-type decisions, but we want to take this material and shove it in front of our kids as if this is going to somehow improve their life? Folks, this is mass insanity. I mean, come on, let's snap out of it here, can we? Can we just admit together that this is poor policy that we're talking about if we want this material to be in front of our children? The fact that we have to have a committee to debate this shows how deep we're sinking into this sexual pit of confusion and craziness. Although the committee is only made up of five board members, all 10 board of trustee members were present at the meeting, either in person or virtually, to debate the, the proposed changes. The committee was expected to make a decision regarding the fate of 24 books that have been under review since last November, but instead of issuing permanent bans on any of those books, the committee focused instead on the library's larger collections policy. The committee was initially tasked by the board last fall to review 24 books, many with LGBTQ plus themes, that were subject to scrutiny from the county GOP and board members themselves. Yeah, the county GOP. Well, thank goodness, in other words, that there were adults that showed up and said, excuse me, but you have a book in the children's section that depicts graphic sex acts between a guy, two guys. Is that really what we're supposed to be doing here for children? There's a, uh, a whole list of books here. I mean, I'm not going to read all of them, the titles, uh, but <laughs> Adventures with My Daddies. Um, Heather has two mommies. It's perfectly normal is another book. Pride puppy. Sex is a funny word. Stella brings the family. Tia's tutu. Uh, lawn boy. Gender queer. All boys aren't blue. I mean, this is this is the stuff that progressives believe that minors should have access to. And this committee, I mean, I'm, I'm really hoping this committee comes back with some type of common sense proposal that takes these, it, it sounds like that's what they're going to do. I mean, it, it sounds like what they're recommending, what the, the, um, the, the smaller group in the, commi on the committee is, is recommending that the changes need to be made to the library. Um, I'm trying to find, because there were some other quotes here. Ah, no. It's like the story's disappeared on me. Uh, if I can scroll down. Okay, Joe, uh, here we go. Most of Monday's discussion centered around the policy's limitation on materials with transgender, transgender themes. Joe Poor, vice chair of the board of trustees but not a voting member of the materials committee, expressed concerns about the proposal's vague language, asking if it would disproportionately target the LGBTQ plus community. So Elizabeth Collins, uh, in addressing that, put a further definition that gender transition ideologies are anything that affirms that a person's gender is other than that person's biological sex. Yes, that's correct. 
Marcia Mostyn, a Materials Committee member, spoke in favor of the proposed changes. She called access to children's books with transgender themes life-threatening for our youth. whole bunch of people, you can't speak at these committee meetings, but there were the LGBTQ plus people were there holding up signs, waving the signs. They were particularly outraged when someone suggested that this was this was going to uh, adversely affect the quality of life for the for our youth if we don't get these books out of the children's section. They want this. I mean, wh- how did we get here to a place where we believe that our children need to have this material in front of them, material that they still can't show on the 6 o'clock news without blurring out images? But it's okay for our children. You can't watch it on television, but it's okay to sit in your home and show it to your children. The Greenville County Council has got to get a hold of this. We can't, our culture cannot survive the type of sexual confusion and gender confusion that we're pushing on the next generation. Um, and and it is it is a it is a battle because when the door swung open for same sex marriage and and the full acceptance of homosexual behavior, then right through the door came the transgender community demanding their rights to proclaim that all you have to do is say that you're a member of the opposite sex and you get to live that way and anybody that judges you is transphobic. I, I mean. All of this transgender stuff, um, the, the sexual confusion that is so rampant in the culture today, those that are pushing back are coming under intense pressure to back off. Now, you think about Matt Walsh. You know, I've, I've told you before, Matt Walsh of Daily Wire. Um, he pretty much launched single-handedly the, after Daily Wire revealed that Vanderbilt University in Tennessee was performing sex change uh, operations or giving, uh, you know, puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, and, and all this kind of stuff. They were, they were giving them out in Tennessee. Then Matt Walsh organized a protest. The legislature responded. Vanderbilt University stopped the practice. And then the state of Tennessee passed a bill that would ban transgender surgery on minors. And the state of Tennessee then turned around and passed a bill that stops or will not allow drag queens to put on performances in front of children. Some pretty common sense stuff. And, of course, the vitriol that has been heaped on Matt Walsh has been, Walsh has been considerable. It's upped his security bill. And the same thing is true because of his documentary, What is a Woman? And if you haven't seen that, it's worth subscribing to Daily Wire just to see what is a woman. If you want to understand the obsession of, and and I'm talking about educated people that are all in and talking about gender transition surgery for minors, and once you begin to attack their logic, once you begin to point out the fallacy of their understanding, they will shut you down. They'll start calling you names and refuse to participate in any more of an interview. You can see that in Matt Walsh's What is a Woman? Um, but in Florida... 
Governor Ron DeSantis pushed back on President Joe Biden's characterization, this is according to uh, Christian Post, of legislation banning sex change surgeries for minors as sinful by sharing graphic images of bodies maimed by those procedures. Now, this is what this is what the the war room did for DeSantis. They put out a video. And it simply says Biden thinks it's cruel that Florida is not allowing experimental sex change operations for kids. And while Biden, President Biden is making that statement while he's talking about that his mama said that it's close to being sinful in an interview with Cal Penn on The Daily Show, he's making those statements. What what the war room did was was juxtapose President Biden and then there's a split screen and across from him are video pictures of children's bodies that have been mutilated by surgery, by transgender. It is awful. Now, I'm, I'm telling you, that's, that is extremely controversial that Ron DeSantis did that, but it is necessary. People have to see this to understand what we're talking about. I mean, I, I don't like it. I don't, I, I don't want to have the, have to look at those images. But if, if people are actually going to line up to push and support the idea of convincing children, minors, to have this kind of radical surgery, they need to see what it's doing to those children. All right, Larry's on the phone. Larry, go ahead. Um, yes, sir. Good morning, um, hey. Dr. Tony Beam. Um, I wanted to invite people, ask you to invite Christians that are listening to you to be a part of the political process locally. Um, I'm starting to go out and ask people to be a part of our Spartanburg County Republican Party GOP reorganization that's this coming Saturday at 10 a.m. at uh, High Point Academy. And I've talked to so many people who are believers, they go to church, and they're like, oh, I just don't want to be a part of that. You know, it's just too stressful. And I'm thinking, I go home and I talk to my wife, I'm thinking, you know what, the reason it's so stressful is because we're not engaging in these these mind battles of culture by being a part of the local process. And it's not easy, but we have to do something. And if the church doesn't step up, I'm not expecting our leaders to say anything because I, I think they just don't want to. But if the church congregation doesn't step up and say, you know what, in my community... I love this community. I love our kids. We're going to do something to keep their, hopefully, their minds and their souls clean from this garbage. We can be a part of that process. Yeah, Larry, I, pr- I appreciate that. Um, we did talk about uh, reorg on Tuesday this week, and I appreciate the reminder today. Reorganization, this is a good time for me to say and to echo Larry, reorganization is taking place this Saturday in Spartanburg County. Uh, High Point Academy, 10 o'clock. Uh, Reorg is, I, I mean, it, it, as as it was described by Drew McKissick on Tuesday, reorganization is when the party down at the precinct level where you, you talk about grassroots, it's the grassroots of the grassroots. You come out, uh, you get elected at, and from your precinct to go to the county party meetings where you can be elected as a delegate to the state party convention, and then you get to vote for the chairman, and you get to make decisions about the Republican Party platform, and it does require that we participate in that process in order for it to um, to, to be valid. So, um, if if I appreciate the reminder, Reorg in Spartanburg County 
is Saturday, this Saturday, March the 18th. Now, obviously, I can't be there because I'm going to be in Charleston March the 18th, uh, this Saturday, for the Vision 2024 event that Palmetto Family's doing. Uh, but I'm encouraging you, uh, don't don't shy away from this. Look, I... <laughs> I, I know it's not the it's not the easiest thing. It's not what most people want to do. They think politics is is sleazy and it's it's something that and like Larry said, stressful. Look, anything that is worth doing, anything that has great value, comes with a cost. And you have to decide if if the thing is valuable enough for you to pay the cost. And, if, and, and that means involvement. Politics doesn't work without the involvement of people at the grassroots level. I mean, it's, it, it's critical. We're going to be debating a transgender bill in South Carolina next week. I mean, there's going to be a subcommittee hearing, um, and then there'll be a full committee hearing the week after that. Not a hearing, the full committee. Well, actually, they are going to take testimony. I think they're going to divide it up and take testimony a couple of times. I'll be talking more about it next week. But but here's the thing. The bill that's been introduced that would ban transgender surgeries, and uh, that's that's going to have to make it through the South Carolina legislature. And there's going to be a lot of pushback, just like the, the pushback here in Greenville, you know, that there are actually people who want this kind of material to be in front of our children there are actually people in South Carolina that think our children should be able to have their breasts removed or have their, um, in, in, you know, their, to, to have mutilating surgery that is pretty much irreversible that's going to affect the rest of their life. And I applaud Ron DeSantis for pushing back by showing exactly what this looks like. I know that it's, um, that that's, that in itself is controversial, but until people see and know the truth, they're going to be deceived by all these people that are saying, oh, if you don't let children transition, you're depriving them of their future. You're, you're causing them to go into depression. What will cause them to go into depression is wake up one day after, as a, as a minor, they've had life-altering surgery and they can't do anything about it. In fact, detransitioners are who we need to be listening to. The people who are saying, look, I, I, I was sold a bill of goods. I acted in an emotional moment. I was encouraged by people that should have known better. And now I want my life back. Where do I go to get my life back? But you know what? Um... It's not that simple. I mean, once you submit to this kind of surgery, you, you need to look at this. If, if you're on Twitter, look for the war room, Ron DeSantis. Um, uh, you can see, I think it's on uh, TikTok as well, but uh, it's called the DeSantis War Room. Hashtag DeSantis War Room. You can follow and you can see this video. It's difficult to watch. But we need to understand what we're talking about here when we're talking about minors having this kind of surgery. Did you know that if you have a pantry that is organized and well-stocked, that that pantry itself is rooted in racism and sexism? I mean, we're, we now live in a world where anything can be sexist. Anything can be racist. And so we've got a college professor, 
Loyola University Chicago marketing professor Jen, uh, Jenna Drenton wrote in the conversation, which is, um, let's see what this is. I don't even know what the conversation is. Some kind of publication. Let me pull it up here so I can tell you a little bit more about it. Yeah, academic rigor, journalistic flair. And it comes up here on the right on the, the front cover, pantry porn is what they're calling this. Uh, she wrote, criticizing the trim, trend for glamorizing and stylizing home organization. So now organization itself is evil. It's a sign of racism. Quote, in today's consumer culture, a place for everything and everything in its place isn't just a mantra. It's big business. Nowhere is this more evident than the kitchen pantry. As someone who studies digital consumer culture, I've noticed an uptick in glamorized, stylized, and fully stocked pantries on TikTok and Instagram, giving rise to a content genre I dub as pantry porn. Drenton wrote about how pantries emerged as a status symbol in the 1800s, then became more common in the middle-class homes in the 20th century before becoming ubiquitous in modern times. She then said that modern celebrity culture has made the pantry a status symbol once again, while social media influencers have also stepped in to bring the status back down to the masses. Furthermore, pantry porn stems from the early social media phenomenon of food porn, highly glamorized pictures of cooking and eating food. Yes, I mean, having food and putting pictures of food on Instagram and TikTok is racist, along with a highly organized pantry, because back in the 1800s, pantries were a uh, a, a status symbol for wealth, and those who were wealthy had slaves, and all of their wealth came from slaves. Therefore, if you've got an organized pantry, you must want slaves. That's that's the line of thinking here. I mean, you talk about getting from A to B to C in the most convoluted and twisted way that's possible. That This makes absolutely no sense. Having established the pantry as a status symbol, I'm back reading from the article, by the way. this You can see this at Daily Wire today if you want to go take a look at it. Having established the pantry as a status symbol, Drenton goes further, storing spices in coordinated glass jars and color-coordinated dozens of sprinkles containers may seem trivial, but tidiness is tangled up with status, and messiness is loaded with assumptions about personal responsibility and respectability. You can't be personally responsible and respectable. Because if you are, you're a racist. That makes you racist. As my fellow um, podcaster would say, Ben Shapiro says it better than anybody when he does that. But, but is it, cleanliness has historically been used as a cultural gatekeeping mechanism to reinforce status distinctions based on a vague understanding of niceness. Nice people with nice yards and nice houses make for nice neighborhoods. And we can't have nice. Nice is, is absolutely racist. Having a nice home, living in a nice neighborhood, being organized. You know, this is an attack on the, the things that hold society together. I mean, if we just, if we all adapted 
a mindset where we can't have our homes look nice because we might be called a racist? What kind, what kind of lives is that going to be? Are, are we going to be able to live here? We have to worry about somebody coming and checking our pantry because if we've got color-coordinated jars with different things in the pantry, then that means we're racist. We're hearkening back to the 1800s. Folks, please join me in calling this stuff the, for the insanity that it is. This makes absolutely no sense. This, is, this goes back to the 1819 project where, again, you know, this whole idea that America itself and therefore anything that America is associated with or thinks is good or has value in is racist because we started as a racist country to defend slavery. That's all a lie. We've talked about that at length here, about how the, the 1819 Project is full of misinformation, outright lies, to build a false foundation that they can build this kind of stuff. If you accept the 1819 Project, this is the kind of stuff that it leads to. Being clean equates with being nice. Being organized equates with being nice. And being nice is racist. What lies beneath the surface, she says, of, of this anti-messiness pro-niceness stance is a history of classist, racist, and sexist social structures. In my research, influencers who produce pantry porn are predominantly white women who demonstrate what it looks like to maintain a nice home by creating a new status symbol, the perfectly organized, fully stocked pantry. So I guess, what is this? If a Hispanic woman or an Asian woman or an African-American woman, if they decide they want to organize their pantry, what does that make them? Does that make them racist? Drenton also claimed that the trend reinforces sexual tropes about the domestic housewife as the feminine ideal. Magazines like Good Housekeeping were once the brokers of idealized domestic work, she wrote. Now online pantry porn sets the aspirational standard for becoming an ideal mom, ideal wife, and ideal woman. Yes, he heaven help us. If you're organized and you love your family and you love your husband and you think that the home should be a safe harbor for people to come in out of the world and enjoy order and, and, and a place that can be nice, then you're a threat to society. In fact, it's it's this it's Drennan, it's Drenton that's a threat to society. It's if her ideas catch on and we all we, we can't talk about being clean because to be clean means to be nice and to be nice means to be racist or or sexist or homophobic or whatever you want to lump into that description. We can't live in a culture like that. <coughs> she goes on, sure. All of those baskets and bins serve a functional purpose in the home, seeing what you need when you need it. But the social pressure to curate a perfect pantry might make some women work overtime. I mean, you women might see that and think, gee, I want that, and they might have to work overtime. They might actually have to get up off the couch and go do something to make it happen, and she doesn't want that. Pantry porn as a status symbol relies on the promise of making daily domestic work easier. But if women are largely responsible for the work required to maintain the perfectly organized pantry, pantry it's critical to ask, easier for whom?
you know, I, I, every day I get up, I come in here, and every day after the format change, I'm going to get up, I'm going to walk into my dining room where I'm going to have a studio set up, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this stuff, and I'm going to think that I can't find anything that is more abs- outside the, the absolute sanity of life. And, and yet, here it is. You know, I'll read a story, and I think, man, this is, this is as far out there as we can get. Then along comes a college professor who says, if you like organization, if you like a nice home, if you want to make sure that your home is a, is a place where people feel comfortable and welcome, and then that makes you a racist and a misogynist. Or you're a, a, a racist and, a, and, and somebody who doesn't buy into feminism. I, you know, sometimes it, it's it's hard to even put into expression what this is what what this means. I mean, I I can't I, I can't fathom the thinking process that makes a person concerned about another person's pantry. Why do you care what somebody's pantry looks like? And why does that make some kind of statement about racism or sexism in American society? It's totally ridiculous. It is the embrace of turning everything about that we, we have a conversation about into a conversation about race. And if you like order and structure to guilt you into believing that that makes you some kind of evil person instead of the fact that people should be congratulated that they want to have organization and it's really good to be nice. Diane's on the phone, wants to talk about uh, libraries. Go ahead, Diane. Yes, um, Tony, uh, thank you very much for bringing this to the forefront. I've had it on my uh, heart all week um, since I've heard about this. And um, I went to the last board meeting that they had in the fall concerning the books, and they had already removed the books and put them in the adult Adult section. section. Um, And... um, and then I heard this news about them making this other proposition. Um, when I went to that board meeting, there were only four Christian conservatives there, and the room was filled with the uh, other group. And um, I would like to see a large group of conservative Christian people standing up for our children in, at the library on March 27th. That's when they have their meeting at 12 o'clock. And if anyone wants to speak, they need to be there 30 minutes early to sign up. Okay, um, March 20th. That's how they do it at the board. Yeah, March 27th. March 27th. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a Monday. And that's going <clears throat> to yes. be at 12 noon at the Greenville County Library. That's where they have the meeting? Yes, downtown. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, um, yeah, I was real disappointed at <laughs> the last meeting. There's not any um, organized group on our side. To yeah. Uh, yeah. stand up, and I'm not a speaker, so I don't. I'm not going to get up and speak. But um, if there's anybody that can speak and can do that, that's uh, a good a good place to go and stand up. Um, well, I appreciate I that. I just would like to see more people. <laughs> well, so would I. Listen, I I feel your pain. I I go down to the yeah. South Carolina Legislature, and I'm down there, and sometimes I feel like I'm just, uh, you know, I'm the lone wolf. Because we have so few people, you know the the LGBTQ plus community, they can turn out, uh, you know, dozens of people, yes. at at a moment's notice, and we yeah, they're organized. 
They are. <laughs> but and and yeah. and people show up. We we seem to be reluctant to step into this because we it's controversial. It, it it's people are mad, they get angry. And but you know, if somebody doesn't stand up for the values that are right and true, then they get steamrolled by the people that are willing to attend the meetings. So right. it's just very important. Now we've I, had when I was there, um, there didn't seem to be uh, angry people. They just were up there speaking. And, uh, right. But many of their groups spoke. I think one one lady spoke on our group, and that was it. And um, But I understand at County Council that room was full, and then there was other Christian people there, but they didn't even have a chance to speak because the other party took so much of the time. So right. they can't even let their voice be heard. Right. Well, that's a look. That's a. I see that all the time in Colombia. Yeah. Like if there's a hearing, you you have to get there early to get your name on the list. And if you don't, right. then it it is going to be filled with people from the other side. They're only going to hear one side of the argument. So, Diane, thank you. Thank you for going. And uh, thanks for giving me a call. Um, yes, put that date down. March twenty seventh. I don't know where. If I've got, I don't, I don't think I've got anything on my calendar that would prohibit me from being there. Uh, but I think we do need people to show up, and we need people that are willing to speak, um, that can, that'll, that'll stand up for what's right and true in the community, and not be afraid to do that. All right, um, we'll talk about this some more as we get closer to it. I, I want to talk because that's going to be, that's actually going to be the last week of the radio show. Um, here on his radio talk. Now, again, drtonybeam.com, that's where you're going to be able to go to find the show, the website, everything associated with it. Um, I, I listened to this story yesterday, and I was just I was just fascinated at how people are so anxious to appear to be open-minded and to do all this, the cross-cultural stuff. And believe me, there's there's nothing wrong, in fact, in, in with being cross-cultural. In fact, in missions, um, what you want to do if you're trying to reach people of a different culture, you want to get to know people in that culture, understand the culture, and then it, it, you're better able to go into the culture and share the gospel. You don't change the meaning of the gospel for the culture but you find out ways to communicate that helps you get the truth of the gospel across within cultural norms. So I'm not against people understanding diversity in cultures, but some people are so anxious to put this on display that they don't do their homework, and that happened in Newark. The mayor and city council of Newark, New Jersey, not a small town, we're talking about Newark, agreed to a partnership with Kalisa uh, that was supposedly a Hindu city and that, or a Hindu nation and that they were going to join in with the city council of Newark in order to create a cultural partnership to exchange information and ideas with each other to have a better mutual understanding of the differences in their culture. The only problem is there is no such thing as the Hindu nation of Kalisa. And, they, the, and, and look, how far did they go? 
Well, they had a signing ceremony that was held in which um, the mayor of Newark, Ross Baraka, told a Kalisa delegate, which, again, no such thing as Kalisa. He said, I pray that our relationship helps us to understand cultural, social, and political development and improves the lives of everybody in both places. But it turned out that Baraka, who was once featured on singer Lauren Hill's 1998 The Miseducation of Lauren Hill and Newark City Council, were all being taken for a ride because Kalisa doesn't exist. Last week, the New York City Hall acknowledged that it had been scammed by notorious Indian fugitive Swami Nithyanda. The agreement to twin with Kalisa had lasted only six days, Newark officials said, before being dissolved as baseless and void. Quote, although this was a regrettable incident, the city of Newark remains committed to partnering with people that don't exist from diverse cultures that don't exist in order to enrich each other with things that don't exist. I'm, I'm kidding. They didn't say that. What they did say is we remain committed to partnering with people from diverse cultures in order to enrich each other with, connect, with connectivity, connectivity, support, and mutual respect. Well, <laughs> yeah, sure. But you probably don't want to do that with a fake city. A search for Kalisa on Google, Google Maps reveals some Hindu temples in the southern half of India and a link to a website promoting the nation as an ancient, enlightened civilization, the great cosmic borderless Hindu nation, and a reference to Nithyananda as the reviver, the, the R-E-V-I-V-E-R. Reviver, reviver, I don't know what that word is. All right, Charlene's on the phone. Go ahead, Charlene. Good morning, and I love being in this fight with you guys. Um, I have been sending out invitations via text on that Monday meeting, the 27th, for the library board. I got a text yesterday that they met in secret on the 14th, and it was followed up by a, new, a local news report, which included an interview with the person on the board who was threatened with her life for sharing that this meeting would be public. So we have some investigative work to do. Apparently, the noon meeting on the 27th is off because they had it two days ago. Is that right? Well, that's well, according That's know, according to the Greenville News today. I mean, the Greenville News story well, says that that's already been, that's done and done, now, and that they're going to meet again to vote on the final recommendation. I know. I heard you say that. So I just feel like we have some investigative work to do. Uh, before we let the public know that there will be a meeting on the 27th. And I'm just reading a text from a reliable source who is a local author and speaker, so I usually trust her. Um, well, Char Charlene, do me a favor. Email me, will you? Yeah. It's tbeam at ngu.edu. It's okay. easy to remember. Send me an email, and let's connect, and let me hear some more about this so we can be either prepared or not for this meeting, and we can know what to tell people. I appreciate the call very much. All right, end of the show today. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back tomorrow. It'll be back patent day. We'll enjoy a day heading into the weekend. Hope you'll join us.